Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network show and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and as I like to remind you each and every week, I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy and Tech Stocks, and my company, Taylor Hard Money Advisors, is also in partnership with Chen Lin, who publishes What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? The best website to go to to access this radio show and everything else that I do, including my newsletter and Chen's newsletter, is jtaylormedia.com. That's J-A-Y, taylormedia.com. Well, I want to thank each of you for listening to this show, making it the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. And I want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Our sponsors for today's show are Nanostruck Technologies, Paramount Gold and Silver Corp., Columbus Gold, and Golden Arrow Resources. Because I am attending the Metals and Minerals Conference in San Francisco today, today's show has been entirely pre-recorded, so I'm not able to read letters and emails that I like to read every week um, from those that uh, letters and emails that have been sent in recently. However, I would like to encourage you to continue to send along your comments about this show, either negative or positive or indifferent or whatever suggestions you might have about what you would like to hear, feel free to send them along to questions4taylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Well, I've entitled today's show, Gold Manipulation from Wilson to Obama. Why is it so? Chris Powell will provide compelling evidence that, in fact, the gold price is being manipulated to a price far below its true market value by those who are in control of the Federal Reserve Bank. The intention is to con you into being satisfied with the fiat dollars that they create out of nothing rather than uh, to demand something of intrinsic value like gold or silver. This is not a conspiracy theory, as Chris points out. He explains to James Turk uh, of Gold Money in this 2011 interview, the evidence is all out in the open. 
Folks, we are not talking about conspiracy theory here. That is for sure. We are talking about an historic, proven, and well-documented manipulation of the gold price. As Chris Powell will explain, the ruling elite used the major media to con the masses into thinking gold is a barbaric relic. By so doing, like a thief in the night, they are able to constantly pick pockets of the middle class. In the second hour of today's show... Ramapo College professor Dr. Murray Sabrin will be with me to discuss how this gold manipulation scheme is being used to destroy the middle class and why you must not listen to the mainstream press if you hope to survive. Murray thinks the gold price is headed for $10,000 or higher. If Murray is right, and I firmly believe he is, then there will be a huge transfer of wealth from those who are conned into holding paper money or fiat money to the holders of gold. And that, of course, is why this show is so pro-gold ownership. But why are Americans being so duped? I think it's because it simply reflects the sinful nature of human beings. There have always been thieves, and the slickest of thieves are those that manage to keep hiding their sins from the public. And hiding those sins from the light of day was exactly what President Kennedy warned Americans about when he gave his Secret Society speech shortly before his assassination. I played Kennedy's speech a week or so ago, but because it is so important, given the growing secrets being hidden from the American people these days, not only by the Federal Reserve, but also by NSA and the military-industrial complex, as well as various other fascist branches of our government, I am going to play Kennedy's speech once again as soon as we come back from a commercial break in just a couple of minutes. In the second hour of today's show, after I speak with Professor Sabrin, I'm going to play a reenactment of the famous Cross of Gold speech by Williams Jennings Bryan, the Democratic candidate for president who fought for the use of of the silver standard along with gold for the benefit of the common man. Unlike now, when the ruling elite is using a fiat money to rob the public, in the late 1800s, In the late 1800s and early 1900s, the ruling elite denied the people the ability to use silver as money so that they could keep the common folks down. People like farmers and miners would have benefited from a bimetal standard, but the rich and powerful Wall Street elite on the East Coast, the industrialists and the Wall Street crowd, fought hard against a bimetal standard. The interests of the wealthy were represented by William McKinley, He was the Republican candidate for president in 1896. McKinley spent five times more money than William Jennings Bryan did on the campaign. And uh, William Jennings Bryan then was, of course, the candidate for president of the Democratic Party. He lost to McKinley in 1886 and then lost again in 1900 to McKinley. Bryan was for the common man. He believed, as John Kennedy believed, uh, that the common man deserved a fair shake. And looking back on history, I think it is a shame that neither man prevailed, that the ruling elite was able to, by force, to force its will against the common man. Brian's idea was that the common man was just as much a businessman and just as deserving of the fruits of his labor as the rich ruling class. Aside from philosophical and moral issues, all of this discussion on this radio show is intended to help listeners understand what is really going on now and what has transpired in the past because you simply can't trust the self-serving mainstream press, the propaganda machine of what is increasingly a fascist dictatorship in America.
The idea that we have always had on this show, then, is that in order to best protect yourself, you need to know what is really happening as opposed to the lies and half-truths given to you in the mainstream press. While it is true a booming stock market right now has led to fewer listeners to this show than in the past, especially right after the Lehman Brothers debacle, I am as convinced as ever, as much as I was ten years ago, that we are inevitably heading over a financial cliff, and unless you can ignore the mainstream propaganda, you will be destined to go through the financial ringer once again. Only this time, there may be no bouncing back as we have enjoyed post Lehman Brothers. I believe that only if you are prepared intellectually and spiritually for the difficulty that is to come will you have a chance to survive the turmoil ahead. Well, we do have to go to break now, but when I return, I will be right back with the Kennedy speech warning about the dangers of a secret society to our republic. Don't go away. I'll be right back. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Paramount Gold and Silver is a U.S.-based exploration company with multi-million ounce gold and silver deposits. Paramount's primary asset, the Sleeper Gold Project in northern Nevada, is located in one of the world's most prolific mining districts. Paramount's gold equivalent resources stand at over 7 million ounces. Paramount trades on the NYSE under the symbol PZG. For more information, go to www.paramountgold.com. Paramount Gold is located for success in gold and silver exploration. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor. On April 27, 1961, President John F. Kennedy gave a speech at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York. The speech was given to the American Newspaper Publishers Association. In that speech, President Kennedy described the Soviet Union's dictatorship. Listen to how he described it and see if you can't say that the United States is pretty much where the Soviet Union was back in 1961 when Kennedy gave that speech. Listen carefully as the President warned about the very secret societies that have now taken over our country and which have prompted former President Carter to say recently to Der Spiegel, America does not currently have a working democracy. Listen carefully to what John F. Kennedy had to say back in 1961. Ladies and gentlemen, the very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago 
that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweighed the dangers which are cited to justify it. Even today, there is little value in opposing the threat of a closed society by imitating its arbitrary restrictions. Even today, there is little value in ensuring the survival of our nation if our traditions do not survive with it. And there is very grave danger that an announced need for increased security will be seized upon by those anxious to expand its meaning to the very limits of official censorship and concealment. That I do not intend to permit to the extent that it's in my control. And no official of my administration, whether his rank is high or low, civilian or military, should interpret my words here tonight as an excuse to censor the news, to stifle dissent, to cover up our mistakes, or to withhold from the press and the public the facts they deserve to know. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no rumor is printed, no secret is revealed. No president should fear public scrutiny of his program, for from that scrutiny comes understanding, and from that understanding comes support or opposition, and both are necessary. I am not asking your newspapers to support an administration, but I am asking your help in the tremendous task of informing and alerting the American people. For I have complete confidence in the response and dedication of our citizens whenever they are fully informed. I not only could not stifle controversy among your readers, I welcome it. This administration intends to be candid about its errors. For as a wise man once said, an error doesn't become a mistake until you refuse to correct it. We intend to accept full responsibility for our errors, and we expect you to point them out when we miss them. Without debate, without criticism, no administration and no country can succeed, and no republic can survive. That is why the Athenian lawmaker Sola decreed a crime for any citizen to shrink from controversy. And that is why our press was protected by the First Amendment, the only business in America specifically protected by the Constitution, not primarily to amuse and entertain, not to emphasize the trivial and the sentimental, not to simply give the public what it wants, but to inform, to arouse, to reflect, to state our dangers and our opportunities, to indicate our crises and our choices, to lead, 
mold, educate, and sometimes even anger public opinion. This means greater coverage and analysis of international news, for it is no longer far away and foreign, but close at hand and local. It means greater attention to improved understanding of the news, as well as improved transmission. And it means, finally, that government at all levels must meet its obligation to provide you with the fullest possible information outside the narrowest limits of national security. And so it is to the printing press, to the recorder of man's deeds, the keeper of his conscience, the courier of his news, that we look for strength and assistance, confident that with your help, man will be what he was born to be, free and independent. Again, that speech was given by President John F. Kennedy in New York in April 1961. Keep in mind, when we come back right after the break, uh, to listen to Chris Powell describe how another secret society, the Federal Reserve Bank and various other banking institutions, are using secrecy behind closed doors now to manipulate the gold price and create an impression that gold is a barbaric relic simply for the purpose of manipulating the public opinion into trusting the fraudulent U.S. dollar. Don't go away. I'll be right back with Chris Powell as he explains to James Turk how the secret societies are now molding your future and mine. Don't go away. I'll be right back. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Golden Arrow Resources on the TSX Exchange has recently made a new silver discovery and is presently drilling a 6,500-meter program on that discovery. A maiden resource calculation is expected to be released in April of this year. The project is located in Jujuy Province in northern Argentina, just 30 kilometers from the Perquitas Mine operated by Silver Standard. Golden Arrow has an experienced team with decades of experience in Argentina. Golden Arrow offers shareholders exceptional leverage with an exciting new silver discovery. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. I'm here with Chris Powell, who's the Secretary Treasurer of the Gold Antitrust Action Committee, which has done so much for the gold market in terms of disclosures, education, and all types of other things over the past 10 years. I think it's probably been one of the most important and biggest forces in the gold market to help people understand what's really going on behind the scenes. It's a pleasure to speak with you, Chris. Oh, and with you, James. Uh, you're going to be talking at the 
Cheviot uh, Sound Money Conference. Can you give us a little bit of flavor as to what the theme of your presentation is going to be? Yes, I, I want to review a lot of the documentation that GATA has collected over the years showing uh, either a, a Western Central Bank interest in manipulating the gold market or uh, plans to manipulate uh, the gold market and other evidence that this uh, manipulation has taken place. Uh, this is official documentation, not, not uh, hypothesis or speculation or conspiracy theory uh, or anything like that. Uh, and then I want to uh, uh, explain what GATA is doing right now uh, with legal action to uh, show this surreptitious uh, manipulation and uh, review uh, evidence that uh, uh, other central banks are, are in on it and that the, uh, the financial press is just so negligent in, uh, in covering the gold market. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but let me get back up a little bit here so we can establish some definitions. Uh, manipulation is a hot word. Uh, some people might react differently than the way you and I view the word manipulation. How do you define that term? How do you use it when you talk about manipulation of the gold market? I mean, Are we talking just about government intervention or is there something more beyond that? Well, I, I think the manipulation is largely a government operation, but it's undertaken uh, usually now through intermediaries, through investment uh, houses uh, operating uh, uh, largely for the U.S. government. Um, by you know manipulation, I mean generally suppression of the price or, of gold or, or uh, making sure that a real free market does not develop in uh, the monetary metals uh, and, and preventing free markets in the monetary metals, uh, I will show has been U.S. government policy going back for many decades, if you simply will look at the archived records, uh, which are in the public domain. Uh, this is, of course, music to my ears, because you've published so much of my stuff over the past 10 years. But just to play devil's advocate a little bit here, why would the government want to keep the gold price capped? Uh, why do they want to prevent a free market in gold? Because gold, uh, and to a lesser extent, uh, silver, are uh, competitive currencies uh, and uh, because as uh, uh, Lawrence Summers when he was uh, a professor of economics at, uh, at Harvard uh, wrote in an academic paper in the Journal of Political Economy in, in 1988, uh, the price of gold is an enormous determinant not only the value of currencies but of the level of interest rates and the value of government bonds. Uh, gold is a very small market uh, if gold was just another commodity like uh, cotton or soybeans, the uh, government would not care so much about it. Government is determined to protect the government bond market and to uh, suppress interest rates. And that's why uh, the, the governments, particularly the United States, are uh, manipulating uh, the gold market because gold determines interest rates and the value of government bonds. As some say, gold is the canary in the monetary coal mine. Uh, rising gold price means that things are not well with the currency, and therefore governments and central banks are doing a poor job in managing that currency relative to its natural competitor. Yes, and this is not the only rigging of, uh, of data or market information. We see it uh, the same kind of, uh, of, of, of rigging in the uh, inflation data that's uh, produced by the Bureau of uh, Labor Statistics. You've written often about uh, the rigging of uh, the money supply data or the uh, uh, withdrawal from publication of the uh, the M M3 data. Uh, this is this is government uh, massaging the information that reaches the public so that uh, the public gets uh, a false impression. To what end? 
you know, what does government expect? And do they expect that by massaging this information they can do that forever? I think so. I mean, this is government power. Uh, this is central bank power. If uh, gold is the great uh, uh, discipliner of governments, um, it, uh, it has the power uh, to eviscerate currencies and eviscerate uh, government bonds. Uh, governments learned long ago that uh, either gold would be their master or they would be gold's master. One of the documents that uh, GATA has published is, uh, is a CIA memo from, uh, from the 1960s uh, outlining a plan by which uh, uh, the government, uh, it says, will remain the masters of gold. Um, gold is something that uh, the market can participate through, that individuals can participate through, uh, and that can get out of control. Either government's going to have the power or the people and the markets are going to have the power. And there's no way the government wants the markets and the people to have the power. Yeah, I tend to believe that markets and people in the end are always much bigger than any government or group of governments. Do you share that view or you're taking a more I, pessimistic I, view? I, th I think the, uh, the issue is yet to be determined, James. So you're open-minded as to whether we're going to go that way or not? Uh, we're doing our best to uh, liberate uh, planet Earth. <laughs> I like the way you put that. Okay, let's go back to some of the specifics that, uh, that GATA is doing. Uh, let's talk first about the Freedom of Information Act, uh, which has been, um, at, that's been about, what, a two or three year effort now? Well, yes, we've, we've been uh, plotting, to, plotting to get documents out of the Fed and the Treasury uh, Department about, about gold. Uh, a couple of years ago, we made a very detailed Freedom of Information request to the Federal Reserve for access to its gold records, particularly uh, to uh, its records of gold swaps. On September 17, 2009, our uh, lawyer, William Olson of Vienna, Virginia, received a uh, uh, very uh, interesting letter from Kevin M. Warsh, who's a member of the Fed's Board of Governors. Uh, Warsh was acting as a sort of a hearing officer in the internal Fed appeal of our uh, denial of uh, access to the Fed's gold information. Uh, and uh, Warsh uh, upheld the denial of the information to us, but on the third page of the letter he said something very interesting. He, he, he revealed that the Fed has gold swap arrangements with foreign banks and that these arrangements must remain secret and they were properly withheld from us. Now, I construed this as a contemporaneous admission that the Fed, even now in the present, not just these historical documents that we've compiled over the years, but right now in the present, at least as of September uh, 17, 2009, the Federal Reserve is at least contemplating uh, tampering with the gold market surreptitiously through these gold swap arrangements. Now, Warsh's letter did not say that the Fed had implemented any of these arrangements. His letter said simply that the Fed has these gold swap arrangements with foreign banks. Uh, I take that as, a, as an admission that the Fed is surreptitiously at least contemplating being in the gold market now, very likely is in the gold market and has been for, for quite some time. Um, now, we brought uh, suit against the Fed under the Free Information Act. We brought the suit in U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia. Uh, on uh, December 31st, uh, 2009. And uh, the other day we uh, won a small, but I was hoping significant ruling from the judge. Um, the uh, uh, Fed had uh, 
identified some records that it felt was responsive to our request, uh, but uh, did not want to present them to us uh, or heavily redacted them. Uh, the Fed presented a list of these documents to uh, the court on something that's uh, in legal jargon called a, a Vaughn index of, uh, of, of the documents. Uh, we asked the judge uh, to order the Fed to produce these documents in their uh, complete nature without redaction so that she could review them privately and determine uh, whether the uh, Fed's claim of exemption for them from the Free Information Act was valid. Uh, the judge granted our motion against the Fed's uh, objection uh, a couple of weeks ago and the Fed produced the documents uh, to the judge and we're, we're waiting to see what the judge says about the releasability uh, of the documents. The, the case could still go either way. The Fed has got a motion in for summary judgment against us. We have another motion uh, before the court uh, to have the court order the Fed to answer 25 interrogatories from our lawyer about uh, the Fed's activity in the gold market. We think we can show how the Fed has made the most inadequate search of its gold records. I mean, we have collected uh, gold-related uh, records uh, from uh, Federal Reserve uh, Internet sites and things like that that the Fed apparently is not even located. Uh, the Fed is not trying to be comprehensive in, in pr producing information to the court here. But we've asked the judge additionally to let us uh, interrogate the, uh, the Fed with 25 questions about uh, its gold records. If the judge grants that motion, I think the Fed will be in uh, a lot of difficulty regarding the gold price suppression scheme. What is, what is the timetable? Uh, first of all, with regard to the uh, judge reviewing the documents, when do you expect to hear that? And what about the request to have the 25 the, the, questions? Uh, it's entirely up to the judge, James. Um, there could be uh, uh, action this week. Uh, or it could take months. Uh, well, there's nothing for us to do but wait now. There's no indication um, as to when the judge is going to. No, uh, and you know it's really entirely up to uh, to her. There's some reason for her hope in so far as one, she did grant one of our motions uh, against the Fed. Uh, the Fed has been trying to dismiss this case on various grounds with uh, many briefs over the last year and has not yet succeeded in doing that. And uh, uh, the judge in a recent case involving the Securities and Exchange Commission, another, another case, uh, expressed great skepticism of uh, the government's uh, attempt to make a very lenient settlement with one of the big investment banks. So uh, we think there's some evidence anyway that the, the judge is capable of, uh, of holding the U.S. government to account. And you're optimistic you're going to get a fair hearing, in other words. Well, if we... Time will tell. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't know, James. Uh, if, I, I guess I have to be optimistic in thinking that there are honest judges in the system somewhere and that the law means what it says and that uh, when President Obama says he wants the uh, government to be much more transparent and comply with the Free Information Act, that there might be an outside chance that he means uh, what he says. And uh, if and that... that the, the Federal Reserve can't uh, act behind closed doors. Well, it's acting behind closed doors, and it's very unclear whether the president uh, meant this uh, openness kick to, uh, to apply to the Federal Reserve. But yeah. if uh, these approaches don't work, we'll, 
we'll try something else. Yeah, it's one of the things I admire about uh, Gata and you know you and Bill Murphy that you just keep on plugging away and you know every month, every week, uh, every few months, you know there's always something new happening and developing to provide more education and information about the gold market, which I think is invaluable. Uh, let me ask you, why are you focusing on the Fed? What about the Exchange Stabilization Fund, the Treasury itself, um, maybe other elements of, of, of government? Are they important too? Or yes, I, definitely. Uh, the problem with the Exchange Stabilization Fund, James, uh, was established by the Gold Reserve Act of, of 1934, and everything I've heard from the lawyers uh, says that the ESF is simply unaccountable under the law, that it answers only to the Treasury Secretary and to the President and to no other officer of the government. Now, the ESF does uh, publish an annual report, uh, and it occasionally does reply to inquiries from, from Congress, uh, but it cannot be compelled to answer under the law. It's, it's a law unto itself? Pretty much so, yes. And uh, it, it was established to rig the gold market. If you, if you read the Gold Reserve Act of 1934, uh, which established uh, the Exchange Stabilization Fund, you find that the Gold Reserve Act of 1934 uh, gives the ESF the authority to trade in what it calls hypothecations in gold. Uh, well, we construe that to be, uh, you know, futures, options, derivatives, paper gold, uh, anything. Any, Anything, anything, anything like that. Now, uh, if uh, uh, the U.S. government was not contemplating uh, intervening surreptitiously in the gold market, there'd be no need for that provision of the Gold Reserve Act of 1934 and, and no need uh, to give the Exchange Stabilization Fund the authority to trade in gold. Mm, very interesting. Let's move on. Um, I want to talk to you about what's happening in uh, in Germany. Um, you know, one of the beauties of GATA is that it's really a global organization that's been empowered by the internet in terms of disseminating disseminating information throughout throughout the world. And I know that there are GATA contingents in various countries around the world, also trying to get more transparency in the gold market, working with uh, governments and quasi-government agencies to get them to disclose information as to what they're doing uh, in terms of uh, their gold activities. Can you, can you explain a little bit about what's going on in Germany? Yes. Um, when we had so much trouble getting the Federal Reserve to uh, explain what it was doing with gold swaps, uh, I got into a discussion with uh, our friend, the German freelance journalist Lars Schall, who has written uh, very often on, on gold topics, and I suggested to him, uh, hey, you're German, why don't you uh, see if you can't get an answer out of the Bundesbank uh, that I can't get out of the Federal Reserve uh, in the United States? Why not ask the Bundesbank, who I think has always been a prime suspect in the gold price suppression scheme, uh, given the U.S. occupation, military occupation of Germany uh, after the war, why not ask the Bundesbank uh, the equivalent question to the, the, to the question we're trying to answer, ask the Fed in the United States. That is, ask the Bundesbank, uh, are you uh, engaged in any gold swap agreements with any agency of the United States government? Uh, well, Lars did put that question to the Bundesbank and 12 other questions, and he got uh, a very interesting, very quick uh, reply, which... Uh, uh, was a was a brush off, but I think it was a very telling brush off. And I I, I brought the uh, the text here. Um, the Bundesbank 
wrote back to Lars, who asked them about, do you have any gold swaps with the United States? Go ahead and read it. In managing foreign reserves, the Bundesbank fulfills one of its mandated tasks as an integral part of the European system of central banks. We trust you will understand that we are not able to divulge any further information regarding this activity, particularly with respect to the confidential nature of information about where gold holdings are kept. We are unable to go into any greater detail concerning exact locations and the quantities stored at each of these. Likewise, owing to the strategic nature of the activity, we are not at liberty to provide you with more detailed information about gold transactions. Well, at least the Bundesbank there says that it is involved in strategic gold activities that it doesn't want the world to know about. That, I believe, is as much an admission from the Bundesbank as we received from the Fed in Kevin Warsh's letter that the Bundesbank is surreptitiously tampering with the gold market and the world must not be permitted to know about this. I, I think we have contemporaneous admissions from the Federal Reserve and thanks to Lars Schall now from the Bundesbank that uh, both the German and United States central banks are surreptitiously manipulating the gold market. Yeah, or the U.S. central bank is using the German central bank's gold reserves for that purpose. Right, but nevertheless, the, the Bundesbank would be the participant in that scheme. And the other similarity, of course, is that the Bundesbank is also operating behind closed doors, uh, unwilling to add any transparency to the gold market. Yes, and uh, you know the, the Bundesbank will not even tell the German people where the German gold is though uh, a previous statement obtained from the Bundesbank by uh, Ghana consultant Rob Kirby uh, disclosed uh, or got an admission from the Bundesbank that very much of the uh, German gold uh, is uh, outside Germany. Uh, Max Kaiser, uh, who is the international journalist who will be at the uh, uh, Chevio conference uh, tomorrow, uh, also got a similar admission from the Bundesbank that much of the German gold is outside Germany. Um, the letter from, or the email that Rob Kirby got from the Bundesbank uh, said much of the, of the German gold is at gold trading centers, was the phrase the Bundesbank used. Well, if you're not trading gold, why are you keeping your gold at gold trading centers? Yeah, well, it ties into the comment about strategic activity. You know, the implication, of course, being is that the gold is in play um, exactly. for the purpose of, you know, capping uh, the gold price in order to make the dollar look worthy of being the world's reserve currency when in fact we know that it doesn't um, have the capability to hold that esteemed position any longer. And all this is, you know, this is public record. These are public statements by central banks out in the open. This, this gold story is, is, is probably the most compelling story uh, in uh, financial journalism uh, in, in the world today. It's not hard to get the records are out there. We've compiled many of them. Uh, you can always call up a central bank and ask an embarrassing question and, and get a central banker uh, to tell you to you know, drop dead, which you know, ought to uh, at least uh, arouse a little curiosity. But uh, very few people will, will do it. I, I've been nudging about 15 international journalists about this over the last year. Every time something happens, I send them each an individual note calling attention to it. And, suggesting that they might want to uh, look into it. One of the things I ask them to do is uh, to call the Federal Reserve and ask about its gold swap arrangements with foreign banks and why do these things have to be secret and what's the purpose of them? Uh, I have not really succeeded in getting anybody, as far as I know, to 
to, to pose that question officially yet. However, a, a reporter for a major news organization who had contacted me about Gata's work some months ago uh, was nudged enough by me that on her own, without uh, getting any approval from her uh, editor to write a story about gold, she just did get curious. And uh, she called up uh, the Fed's public information office one day and, and asked about the gold swap arrangements. And she called me back to, to, to say that uh, the Fed's public information office said, oh, we never talk about those things. Now, unfortunately, her own news agency doesn't report about those things either. But just on her own, out of curiosity, she did call them up and, and, and ask the Fed, what are these gold swap things about? And the Fed refused to answer. It's now, good to show people using initiative like that to try yeah, to get but, to the truth. But, you know, whenever there's, uh, there is a gold story involving central banks, like uh, a few months ago, the, the mysterious gold swaps involving the, uh, the Bank for International Settlements, uh, the, the biggest gold swap in history, something like 346 tons, was disclosed by a financial letter writer who was going through the footnotes of the BIS's most recent annual report. It wasn't, you know, regular financial journalists that came up with this, but a financial letter writer came up with it. Then it leached out into uh, regular journalism. Uh, but all the regular mainstream journalists, uh, nobody called up the Bank for International Settlements or the other central banks to ask what this was about. They immediately called up, you know, gold market analysts and other financial writers to see if they could speculate about what it was. I mean, nobody in financial journalism about gold or central banking goes to the source because it's simply assumed that central banking is rightfully conducted in private and you will never rightfully get an answer out of a central bank about anything. Yeah, I would like to change that paradigm. And as you know, going back to the GATA conference in uh, Dawson City in August 2005, I made the point that the barbarous relic is not the gold standard right. in Keynes' term, but in fact the barbarous relic is central banking because of the interventions and uh, the, the things that they do to thwart the market process uh, and to move away from sound money to the fiat currency that they today create. Um, let's go back to, um, you know, GATA and the different things that you've done. Obviously, you've got your plate full with what you're already doing with the Freedom of Information Act and also what's happening in Germany uh, and, and some of the other initiatives. What about the, you know, renewed calls for auditing the U.S. Gold Reserve? Is this something that GATA is going to wrap its arms around? Well, um, Ron Paul did get legislation passed last year for a one-time audit of the Fed. Uh, whether, I'm talking about the gold reserve. Right. Now. Whether this will encompass the gold reserve is, is unclear to me. Um, when I'm back in the United States uh, in a few days, uh, one thing that I should do on behalf of GATA is get in touch with Representative Paul and uh, see if uh, he can't press uh, this, not only the issue of of, of auditing the gold reserve and finding out just how encumbered it is in addition to how much gold is really still there, uh, but also whether he will press for answers from uh, Fed Chairman Bernanke and other Federal Reserve officials about what they're doing in the gold market, uh, particularly about these gold swaps. Uh, Ron Paul is now in a position, I believe, to pull the plug on the whole scheme. Um, whether he will do so is, is a question. I think he as an ordinary member of the minority of the House Financial Services Committee, I think he was in a pretty good uh, position to pull the plug on it, but he never asked the gold question. 
uh, of uh, uh, Greenspan or, or, or Bernanke. Um, Paul is going to be on the spot. I, I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, he will ask the crucial questions in public with the cameras going. Okay. Um, I know that, you know, GATA is your second job. Your first job is an editor of a um, paper in, in Connecticut, and co-founder Bill Murphy um, is a newsletter writer, and his work in GATA is also his second job. Um, what keeps you going? Well, it's, You must be putting in, what, 18 hours a day between both um, of them? It, it's, a, it's a lot of time, James, um, and it, it's really entirely an accident that we we got into this and it was not only an accident but when we started we really didn't know what we were into we thought this was an ordinary antitrust scheme involving some you know big private companies and i think it was really a couple of years before we began to realize oh this is you know just more gold market rigging by governments and that there's a long history to it but the history was not really compiled uh, anywhere but um I happen to think, and I think Bill does as well, that uh, this is the biggest issue in the world. I mean, like I, I said, it's, it's uh, the question of how all capital and labor and goods and services on planet Earth are to be priced and, and uh, who's going to decide what prices are. Uh, are prices going to be determined uh, democratically? Are they going to be... Through uh, the market process. Through the market. Are they going to be uh, determined in a... Uh, totalitarian mechanism. Behind and, closed doors. Yes, and uh, this is, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's the issue of 1776 all over again. Mm, okay, I see it that way as well. Um, what, in terms of the conference that we're going to be having tomorrow, is this just part of the general educational effort to get more people aware of GATA? The reason why I ask that, there are going to be a lot of people watching this interview for the first time believe it or not, haven't heard of GATA. You know, even though you've been around for 10 years uh, and your reach is growing all the time, I'm sure there are going to be some people that uh, are just now learning about GATA and its efforts. What kind of message would you like to convey to them? What kind of message are you going to convey in the conference I'm tomorrow? I'm going to try to present documentation at the conference to show people that this is not conspiracy theory, that the gold price suppression scheme is, is public record that has gone back for... 50 years and is contemporaneous even today, uh, I'm going to urge them to ask some questions of their own. Uh, I think, uh, Ned, uh, uh, just uh, you know, talking to you uh, was hopeful of getting people to ask questions and look at things in a, a different light. I, I think anybody who looks at this issue and is willing to look at the documentation will realize they're is an enormous interest in government in suppressing the gold price. Uh, and there's enormous evidence that this suppression is being undertaken through various mechanisms today. Uh, some very profound investment conclusions can be drawn from this information. Uh, but, you know, we're looking to spread the word for, to some influential people. London is, uh, uh, you know, big financial center in the world. It is also uh, a center of the gold price suppression scheme, and uh, there's a lot of smart people in uh, in London. And uh, you know, London is also James, the city from which uh, civilization, uh, the, the rescue of civilization, was was arranged in uh, the 1940s. Uh, uh, this country uh, is more heroic than it uh, may realize, and I think more capable of of doing the right thing. 
And uh, I'm very excited about the opportunity to reach a London audience. Yeah, it's very thrilling to be speaking in the Guildhall, which yes. itself dates back to 1400. So you've got to imagine that Sir Isaac Newton, who created the classical gold standard, had walked through that guild hall probably many, many times, either before he was the master of the mint or perhaps when he was master of the mint. So it's, it's all quite exciting. Do you think that we're headed towards some kind of a monetary train wreck, given the fact that governments have so abused the market process? I don't know how the current financial system is going to survive. Uh, so many things are just fictions. Uh, things are being papered over uh, left and right. Uh, I have suspected for a few years that uh, central banks will get in front of this problem uh, by mobilizing gold uh, back into uh, the financial system. I, I don't really expect uh, a gold standard. and I, I, don't, I don't advocate a gold standard. I, I advocate a, a free market in the monetary metals because I think that will accomplish the objectives of a gold standard better than the gold standard itself uh, would. But I will not be surprised if we wake up uh, some morning or turn on the uh, nightly news before going to bed some Sunday night and find out that uh, the G8 or the G20 or the IMF or uh, some of those guys have been meeting, if not at the Plaza Hotel in New York as they did in 1985, uh, uh, have come to some new currency arrangement. And perhaps they will announce that uh, central banks will start buying gold at uh, $5,000 an ounce, uh, perhaps in the name of, uh, of helping the poor countries where gold is mined, or uh, perhaps uh, very candidly in the name of reliquifying central banks themselves, those that still have uh, sufficient gold reserves uh, to uh, uh, reliquify themselves with. Uh, I believe it was Lyle Gramley, a uh, former member of the Fed's Board of, uh, of Governors. If it wasn't him, it was another former member of the Fed's Board of Governors who was on Business News Network in Canada a year or two ago when he was uh, getting hit with pretty uh, serious criticism of uh, the deterioration of the Fed's balance sheet. It's you know taking all this crappy paper uh, to uh, rescue various financial institutions. And uh, uh, Gramley or the Fed governor, whoever it was, volunteered to the reporter that he was overlooking something. And that what he was overlooking uh, were the 8,000 tons of gold uh, on the books of the United States government, uh, on the books of uh, the Fed that were being uh, valued only at the antique price of $42.22 an ounce. And that if there was a market revaluation of this gold, uh, Gramley said, the Fed's uh, uh, balance sheet would look immensely better. Well, this was something that was volunteered by a former member of the Fed's Board of Governors. Uh, it signifies that you know, maybe the Fed thinks about gold a lot more than, uh, than, than we do. Gold revaluations have been used in the past for uh, uh, national reliquifications. Uh, Roosevelt did, uh, did it uh, back in 1933 and 1934. Uh, a British economist named uh, Peter Miller uh, a few years ago wrote a paper on how the revaluation of gold has been used throughout uh, history to avert debt deflations and reliquify re the uh, financial system. Uh, I'm pretty confident it's going to happen again, and I, 
I just want to live so long to see it. Yeah. I, I just want to remind viewers that when you talk about a revaluation of gold, the other side of that coin, of course, is a devaluation of the currency against which gold is be, right. being revalued, which means the currency is going to be purchasing less than, it, uh, than gold would be doing. Um, to wrap up, um, let's just talk a little bit about you know, GATA and how people can help. I know you're a nonprofit organization, and you do accept uh, donations from the public to keep you know, GATA funding for trips when you're speaking at conferences, paying for attorneys for the Freedom of Information Act. Can you tell the viewers a little bit about sure. how they might be able to um, help and contribute? GATA is a uh, uh, Delaware corporation. We were incorporated in January 1999. Uh, we're uh, a uh, nonprofit uh, tax-exempt uh, corporation uh, uh, under uh, Section 501c3 of the Internal Revenue Code in the United States. Um, contributions, financial contributions to uh, GATA are federally tax-exempt in the United States. If you live outside the United States, I'm afraid I can't help you uh, there. But, but people from outside the United oh, yes, States, of yeah. course, can make donations yes, to GATA. Yes, uh, we, uh, we accept uh, donations uh, you know, by check, by uh, credit card, and by gold money. If uh, people want to go to our internet site, uh, www.gata.org, uh, in the uh, left column of that internet site is a little uh, uh, icon for you know how to help us, and we are uh, uh, most grateful. If uh, if you want to send us uh, five dollars, you'll be sending us more than most of the major mining companies have. <laughs> Thank you very much, Chris. It's been a real pleasure speaking with no, you. It's all mine. Thank you. Well, there you heard the the words of Chris Powell, and I think providing very powerful proof of a gold price manipulation scheme by the major bullion banks. These are banks that are closely aligned with the United States government. Some say these banks, which in are in fact the owners uh, of the United States government, they in fact own and control the Federal Reserve Bank, which has so much power, unelected power, I might point out. No wonder former President Jimmy Carter recently said, and reported by Der Spiegel, that America does not currently have a working democracy, end of quote. We do have to take a commercial break now. But don't go away because when we come back, I'll be talking to Professor Murray Sabrin. He's a professor of finance at Ramapo College in New Jersey. Despite the government's manipulation, Murray thinks the markets are ultimately more powerful than governments, and he is predicting a gold price that will ultimately rise to many thousands of dollars per ounce. Don't go away. I'll be right back with Dr. Murray Sabrin. <laughs> 